0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 406 Premium for Tuesday, July 3rd, 2012. <laughs> Mac Observer's Mac Geek the show where you send in your questions, you send in your tips, we provide some answers, we provide some tips of our own. And really, the goal is together to have some fun and to learn several new things about the Mac each time. I'm here in Durham, New Hampshire on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: And I'm here in Fairfield, Connecticut, uh, John F. Braun. Is it also Tuesday afternoon for you, John? Last I checked, yes, All right, good. But although on occasion, time has uh, ceased to have meaning. Well, well that's, that's going to change that's very true. soon, and maybe that's a good lead-in into uh, something I think we may want to talk about. Yeah, we'll talk about
0: we there. We uh, those of you that are listening here likely got an email from us earlier today. And we're going to talk about that a uh, little bit later in the show. Let's let's get into the flow of things a little bit here, John, and, uh, and see get what, down to do it. Yeah, see what we got. So let's go to uh, let's go to Dean. And Dean writes, I'm just wondering if you know of a good app that I can point at a folder to share my photos to my iPad. I like the idea of being able to stream it to the Apple TV as well, if at all possible. But it's not really for me as, it is, as much as it is for my family, as I've taken, taken on the massive undertaking of scanning every photo we and my grandparents on both sides have taken. So there's a lot of different solutions for this. Um, obviously, Photo Stream with iCloud will sync of photos, but only, you know, the last months or the last you know thousand photos or so. So that that's not going to be the magic answer for you here. Um, something like Dropbox, uh, they've got pretty decent photo support. You can view them from the Web, too. But uh, but Dropbox definitely lets you sync back and forth with uh, with your with your iPad. And that that might be an answer. In fact, if you're using Dropbox, you can also use Goodreader. Uh, which I know seems strange to use as a photo viewer, but I use it as a photo viewer and a movie viewer. And you can actually tell it to keep in sync with a, any given Dropbox folder so it can just like slurp all your photos in and keep them in Goodreader too, if you want to do it that way. So um, so Dropbox might be the answer. There might be something better though.
1: John, do you have any ideas? Yes, I do. All right. And immediately to a, a TV. Where are you going, man? I'm, I'm sipping tea. I'm here. Oh, you keep right. talking. It's good. <laughs> I won't leave you hanging. So the other thing to mention, but we may take a slight detour into problem solving. Oh, all right. Now this is starting to bug me. All right. Uh, Sugar Sync. Now here's the cool part. So I'm logged into my Sugar account. Then I'm going to tell you why I'm going to start shaking my fist here. Okay. <laughs> so Sugar Sync. Um, I have it running on multiple machines or used to. Yeah. And that has, when you log in via the web, a photos category. Now here's the thing. It, like a lot of other things, SugarSync does it a little differently. And I, I uh, although Dropbox is my first love, I got to say, between the two of them, I do like SugarSync better. It just I, has yeah, more features. Way more flexible. Yeah. There's I, nothing I always, wrong with Dropbox. It, it does what it does and it does it very well. But SugarSync adds those little things or, and, and this is one of them. Yep. So they they have... Uh, a section in the web interface called files well they also have one called photos and what I noticed about this so at first it kind of threw me because I look and it lists all these albums and I'm like uh, where did it get all of these oh where it got all of them so as far as I can tell what they do is if they see in the content that you've synchronized uh, a folder full of things that are images it'll create an album Cool, isn't that kind of interesting? That's cool, and most of them. So I think I back up. uh, So SugarSync, I back up my TMO content or my pictures folder. No, I think it's my TMO content. And usually, I so so. For example, I saw a folder called um you know something something gadget, which was an article. That happen to have a couple of uh, screenshots in it, which I you know typically do for for my articles. Sure. So um, so it actually looks like it's kind of smart, and then also it lets you publish them to Facebook. So uh, so it looks like uh, it, it's certainly something to explore. Um, and also, it has a link here, for example, contacts albums. So people that are listed as contacts in SugarSync, you can look at their albums too. that's, ah, that's cool. And then the final category here is mobile photos. So I think if you have you know a camera equipped device. Uh, and you have the sugar sync app, then then you know i, I would assume it lets you upload your photos to, to that section as well sure. so looks like there's there's plenty of flexibility within um within the sugar sync uh, photo section so I, I would encourage I, you to explore that it, you know the only downside like any of these is that you 're going to need a uh a connection a wireless connection to do this right 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 yeah
0: well i mean if you're if you're wired, of course you can just sync right from iPhoto uh to your you know to your iPad. And so that, you know, that that's obviously a solution there too. But um yeah, I I'm trying to think if if there's anything else that would sync wirelessly locally across your LAN um and I'm sure there is. So if any of you have uh have thoughts on that, let us
1: know. Sound good? Ready to move on? Uh, am I? I I don't <sighs> Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. OK. Uh, okay. Think of, you know, I mean, you could, uh, you know, have the photos on a NAS. Uh, I, I mean, uh, all right. One one other thought is that there are several NAS devices. I know WD and, and several people make these that specifically have a place that, that manages your media and, and lets you, you you view it. Um and they do it in a way that's you know beyond just looking at a folder and and uh, you know flipping through the pictures. So uh, that's
0: true. Actually, I have one of those Synology RAID units coming to me, and they've okay. got an iOS app that lets you pull um, certainly music and 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 I think photos direct from your NAS, whether you're local or not. So it's kind of like creating your own private cloud, right? Your own private. Dropbox style thing, so I'm I'm curious to check that out. That might be another option, but but that requires you know a, a significant hardware purchase as opposed to just apps um, for Dean, but but definitely. And what's that?
1: Uh, does it begin with a P? Some sort of media media platform? Plex, is that it? Yeah, yeah. Plex, Plex is, is it a center for this, or
0: is that? Well, Plex would would require an Apple, uh, uh, sorry, a Mac Mini connected to your. Uh, to your television and then you run plex server on the mac mini and you can run the client on your ios devices and stream things or control things so that's that's how that works all right all right brian writes i'm getting a new ipad to replace my original ipad i'd like to sync it with my new imac instead of the older macbook pro i use today with my ipad one it would be great to find a way to have my new iPad match the iPad One's mail settings and configurations, similar to the way Migration Assistant can make a new Mac look just like the old Mac. Both machines use the same Apple ID, and I use SuperDuper to make bootable backups. If that helps, what's the best approach for me? Okay, so let's talk about. Uh, you, you're doing two things. Number one, you're getting a new iPad, and, and then number two, you want to change your sync machine uh, to go from the MacBook Pro to the iMac. So let's talk about these things as, as separate, um, separate cases. Uh, If you, if you get a new iOS device and you sync it with your Mac, the first time you sync it, it says, uh, do you want to restore this from a backup of any, pretty much any other iOS device from this? So you could, you could back up your iPhone and then restore that backup to an iPad. Now, it's going to restore the settings and the, the apps. Obviously, it's a different device. So, you know, some things are going to work differently, but uh, but you can do that. So the first step would and you can do this also with iCloud, right? I mean, you can back up to iCloud and restore from iCloud. Uh, but in terms of the apps and all of that, it's actually easier doing it from your Mac because you can just load straight from the Mac. So uh, so, yeah, go ahead and back up your old one. Uh, preferably to your Mac so that you're not having to bother to do this over the, uh, over the air and then, and then restore it from there. But then here's the, here's the thing. If you're moving to another Mac, um, it gets a little tricky because your iPod or your iPad doesn't want to be, it only wants to sync with one Mac at a time. So if you're doing it with iCloud, I think it would work. I've never tried doing iCloud from to To restore one backup to a different device uh so that that would be kind of the 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 gotcha there and i I don't know that it'll let you do it um maybe once I'm done here, John, maybe you know more but um but what you can do is back up your your iPad one to your MacBook pro and then restore your iPad three from your iPad one backup on your Macbook pro so you know don't change computers yet, get your new iPad up and running and happy. And then sync your iPad 3 with your MacBook Pro post-backup, uh, ensuring it's totally finished with the restore and setup process. From there, copy your home slash music slash iTunes folder from your MacBook Pro to your iMac, presuming that you're okay replacing that folder on your iMac. And if you are, that will work, because then it will it will see when you... The, the, the iTunes folder is where the data for which devices sync with this computer are stored. And, and that part will work. If you migrate your entire iTunes folder from one machine to another, uh, the syncing and all of that will still be happy. So that's, that's the, uh, that's the, I think that's what I've got.
1: John, you got anything? You got it. All right. <laughs> Well, uh, well. here's the other thought. Uh, reading through this, yeah, I think I grok what's happening here, right? So we have two computers, two iPads. Right. And they're, they're married in a certain way right now, or not. Right. Um, like the only thing that occurred to me is that it may be possible to take the, the new machine. Um, one thing, now, assuming that um, Brian has iCloud, uh, another option would be to pull an iCloud backup. Well, yeah, but that's what I was saying. Uh, I, plus, I don't... Yeah. I don't think you can
0: restore an iCloud backup from from a different device. Right. So if hmm. I if I back up my iPad one to i or if, you know Brian backs up his iPad one to i to iCloud, I don't think he can restore that backup to his iPad three. Maybe he can. I haven't I tried that. I think you
1: can. Okay. Let me let, okay. I won't read the whole thing to you, but I found an article shockingly titled iCloud Backup and Restore Overview. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And here we go. How a content is restored to a new device. So I think this would work. So I'll I'll go on until until it's obvious. When you go through Setup Assistant on a new iOS 5 device, choose restore from iCloud backup and enter your iCloud account password. You will see the three most recent backups for each of the devices on which you enable backup. Choose which backup to restore from. So that sounds like what we want. Yep, and and what it also says here, and I think this this data is included in this, and it says after your device restarts, your settings and accounts are restored, and backup starts downloading your purchased movies, music, TV shows, apps, books, camera roll, and other content. Right. But so it sounds like the keyword being purchased. Right. So it, well, it, well, the, the thing that caught me was settings and accounts because it sounds like sure. certain mail settings is important in this. Uh, in his question, that's right. Right. Yeah. It was, a, uh, it was, in, the, okay, was yeah. in the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't know the answer to this. I don't know if I've done, I, I think I've done one iCloud restore, but it was to a device that, yeah, I was rebooting or. or it, it was it's when like I first it started the same using device. I, it, yeah. It was the same device. So, yeah, it's a no brainer. But uh, no, uh, again, it sounds like, yeah, you get yeah. a list of all your devices that you've backed up to. So you could do the hokey pokey here. You can okay. pull from, in, in theory, Yeah.
0: Yeah. It sounds like it. I still I wonder what would happen if when he goes to sync that with his iMac, it may say, hey, wait wait, wait a minute. Uh, You know, based on the backup that I was restored from, I've been syncing to this. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's it's a new it's a new world now. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's see. We got a big, long question here from Chuck about let's see iTunes match. Okay. Chuck writes, I'm going to jump around in his question here, trying to, to get the, the gist of it out for you all. Chuck says, "Uh, finally, I've begun working with iTunes match. Most days I have to take my MacBook pro back and forth between the home, my house and the office, which means that upon starting iTunes match, it devotes 50 to 60 minutes first to gathering info every time. Can I do anything to constrain it to process only certain tracks? Specifically right now, I'd like to have it work with the 4,100 tracks remaining from my original 21,000. And after that, only to 30 or 40 tracks from a few LPs I digitize each night and add to iTunes. It seems that this is a repeating process, and it's a ridiculous waste of not only my time, but Apple's server resources. Searches have turned up no results thus far. I've submitted this as a feedback feature request in Apple's discussions page. Okay, so... Um, I've gone through the iTunes match thing and I started using it when it was in beta and then, uh, and then I'm now using it and, uh, you know, in production and it was quirky in beta, but I, but I have to say it's been very, very reliable for me in production. However, that first match when you sign up, so iTunes match for those of you that don't know, and I think you probably all do, but it allows you to, uh, store all of your songs in the cloud so that you can then access them from your uh, iOS devices and other Macs that are attached to that account whenever you want. But it's smart. Uh, it doesn't just upload everything you have. It it goes through everything you have. And if what you have matches something Apple already has in the store, then it doesn't bother uploading. It just says, yeah, you have access to this file, which is cool. It's great. Um, but that first process does take a long time, especially if you've got, you know, tens of thousands of songs in your library. And I think Chuck's problem is that he's not letting it finish that first process. Now, of course, you know, his the demands on his computing resources are such that he's got to fold up his computer and take it back and forth between home and work. And so it's it, it has never had time to go through that initial scan. There's no magic answer here other than find the time. And and perhaps that's over a weekend. You know, when you get home on Friday afternoon, open it up, start the process and leave it until, you know, Monday morning. And hopefully by then it has finished with the initial scan and upload. Uh, that's really going to be the only way that you're going to, you're going to get this done. It needs to get that full process done. Once it does, it's really, really smooth. And you hardly notice it. I pull stuff in new stuff into iTunes all the time. And before I can even think about it, I realize, oh, wow, it's already been uploaded or matched one way or the other to the uh, to the cloud and everything is happy. So um, yeah, but you got to let it do that. That first thing. So that's um, what what I will say is, you know, I, I did the iTunes match thing and then I hadn't bothered to go through uh, most of my tracks of songs that I had matched. were I had lower quality versions of when we ripped all our CDs, uh, we were doing them. Started doing them at 128 k MP3s, and then we did them at 160 k, and even 192 k at some point. But um, all the songs in in uh, that are matched, you can get 256 k copies. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, Jason Snell over at MacWorld did a great article showing how the um, how you can build custom uh, uh, smart playlists to show you what files have been matched that you still have copies of. And you just set the criteria the right way. And, and then you can delete those files from your library, which is a scary thing because you're deleting, you know, potentially, you know, I I think I deleted 9,000 or 12,000 files or something. So make a backup first, obviously, but you delete those files and then you tell it, re download all of these. And, uh, and I did that. And the first time through, I think, you know, like I said, I had like 12,000 files to download and it, um, 300 of them wouldn't come in and the, the part that stinks is you got to hit okay on each of those 300 because it stops the download but uh but then once i did that then it then i told it to redownload again and it got down to like 30 that wouldn't download and those stayed like that for about a week and a half and then suddenly all those 30 came down so apple's constantly kind of fixing stuff on their servers but uh but it worked really really well so i highly recommend it do you uh do you, no. uh, do you do, no, you know, you don't, you don't do any, uh, no.
1: Preemptive shush. <laughs> no iTunes match for you. Huh? Uh, no, no, I haven't, haven't really, uh, uh, all my iTunes is, is on, on my mini and I sync it pretty much to one, one device.
0: Okay. Well, maybe, it's uh, it. you know, you, uh, it, it, perhaps this is a good time to talk about this. You, you are... You're now joining, rejoining the ranks of the uh, daytime employed and and specifically of the commuting ranks. So when you're not listening to podcasts on your train ride, maybe you'll want to listen to music. And if that's the case, you might actually find (sighs) that iTunes match is a really valuable thing because you can have. Right. You can have any song in your library at any point in time. And that's that's actually kind of cool. I use it all. I use it that way all the time. Uh, helps to have the unlimited grandfathered data
1: plan on your iPhone, um, right? You know, which I think you still do, right? Uh, until I get another phone, I think. Um, yeah,
0: right. Yeah, I think all yeah, of I us have unlimited our,
1: data. With our next phones, are are
0: going to lose that op, that option? All right. Mm-hmm. So so let's let's talk about this um, because this what well oh, the, the changes the potential changes right so. um, Everybody got an email, I think everybody, uh, got an email from us earlier today, maybe an hour before we recorded the show, uh, talking about some stuff going on. As you may have noticed, uh, other than this episode, we've gone back to recording in the evenings lately. Now, it's been mostly because we've had some sort of unique scheduling things, but it's also been a good dry run for John and I to sort of get back in the swing of doing things back in the evenings, uh, which is when we used to do this show, when we started. Of course, when we started... Uh, John's days were filled Monday through Friday anyway, with, uh, with his full-time work. Well, uh, the good news for John, uh, and really I think for everybody is that John now is, uh, is back into the ranks of the, uh, the full-time employed and will be commuting. Uh, so congratulations on your, on your new position there, John. Back to the I wanna, back. I want to your rant. Software. You want to go- rant? You do? Is this really the right time to rant? Can we tell them what's going on here?
1: Oh, well, that first, of course. Okay, yes. So anyways, after a a lengthy search, I found pretty much the right thing. If you've seen my tweet, you know who it's with. And and it's a company that makes really cool gadgets. And I get back to writing uh, software in in Windows, which uh, will give me all the more appreciation for the Mac again. (laughs) I got to say, I still like developing in Windows. Windows is, uh, I don't care what anybody says, Windows is a fine platform for developing software. Yeah, I've heard I've heard I've heard you and others say that, too. I think think uh, Visual Studio is a nice, nice environment. I I still got to say Xcode. It it was tough for me to learn Xcode because it's just a different way of thinking. And not all the tools that you expect in Visual Studio are available in Xcode. Xcode, I thought actually was uh, and some people shake their fist, but I thought it was kind of primitive when compared to Visual Studio as far as the, the ease with which you could develop an application quickly. Interesting. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Now, and I wonder if maybe I can get a Mac. and oh. run with it. No, actually, for low-level hardware work, I would not recommend that. Because right. that's what I'm going to be doing is, is low-level communication stuff. And typically, the uh, virtual machines don't hand, None of them, I found, it, it, it's not a – they just don't handle that well. You're, you're asking more than I think that they're prepared to give you <laughs> or it. what is technically possible. Got it.
0: All right. So, so, so congratulations. I, I think it's, I really do think it's a good thing for you to be, be back into your, you know, uh, software development stuff. It, I know you love it um, almost as much as you love doing.
1: And, and just to interact in, in, you know, society again. Right. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. As you've seen, right. I mean, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen what happens to people that, uh, you know, don't go into the workplace. You know, like you, Dave. Hey, wait a minute. You know. <laughs> I interact with people all day long. But yeah, uh, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. No, same thing. It. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I got to say my last job, it was, I mean, some of these people I knew 20 years, man, it was right. like a fam. It sounds corny, but it was, I mean, I knew some of these people longer than I've known uh, almost anyone else. So. Right, right, right. All right. So, uh, so John's um,
0: newfound employment means that we've had to uh, reevaluate and and examine and, and sort of tweak uh, our schedule for recording. And in doing so uh, we've sort of taken a step back and, and, and looked at things. So I'm going to, and I did this in the email. So this may be a little bit of a rehash, but uh, I want to make sure everybody hears it. And, and I want your feedback on this. We both do. So um, we're going to okay. sh- we're going to share, yeah, we're going to share a little secret with you. Um, when we started the premium thing, a couple of things happened. Uh, the, the ad market had gotten really, really soft. And, uh, and a lot of you were coming to us asking, look, you know, I want to support you guys directly. Um, it was really it still is amazingly humbling uh, to even think about. But um, but, you know, you, you came to us and you were saying, you know, how do I do this? And and we sort of kept it all at bay for a while. And you, you you got very creative. You would send us, you know, Amazon gift cards and and you sort of found ways to do this, even though we didn't set up any official path. And so we did. We said, well, we want to do something. And so we set up this official path and we said, OK, we'll add two episodes a month as a premium offering for these folks, for you folks. And But but the, the, the secret was that our plan was not to have these be extra episodes. We were going to do it that for a couple of months. And then we were going to scale back maybe three to six months into this premium thing to one show a week again. And uh, but just have two of those be behind the paywall and and the rest of them, you know, would be as they, as they were. And that was sort of the plan. Well, in that three to six months, two things happened. One more, uh, more, more significant than the other, the ad market started to pick up, which was good, but more significantly John uh, stopped doing his full-time work. And so that freed up the schedule a lot and it was very easy for us. We started podcasting more during the day and, and uh, it freed up the schedule for us to just keep things as they were. And there was no constraint uh, on us that forced us to go back to this once a week thing. So we didn't. And we just kind of kept it going. And it, it's it been fine. Uh, we've certainly had scheduling issues here and there. And we've also heard from many of you that, you know, sometimes we're producing too much content, which is, you know, sort of ironic. But, hey, it you know, it is what it is. So we never we never enacted that part of the plan. But now that John has his. Uh, you know, he's going to be working basically Monday through Friday, nine to five. You know, we can't podcast during the day. We've got a podcast in the evenings. Evening time gets we're going back to once a week. So we are definitely enacting the second half of the plan. But. We've also kind of took taken a step back and thought about this. We've always felt there's something that wasn't quite right with the, what we offered as premium. And, and the concept of, it sounded great on the surface, but in practice and, you know, my, my entire life, and I think John, you're the same way, you know, everything is like an iterative process. You are just constantly refining and trying to make it better. And we're driving our, our people that are putting closets in our house crazy because we're, we're iterating on this thing. That's fine. You know, it's just how it works. We, we, we need to touch it and feel it and use it and see it and find out what we like and what we don't like. And, and one of the things that we never liked about the, the premium offering was that, we were excluding people. We were, there was certain content. Well, all the, all the premium content, but you know, we'd have discussions and we would think, dang it, you know, this would be a great thing for the, the, the full audience to have heard and, or, or to get feedback on from more than just the, you know, the select premium group. We, you know, it'd be great to ask this question of, you you know, whatever, 50,000 people, that would be awesome. So, So that part has always sort of sat funny with us. And then, like I said, we've heard from many, not all, but many of you saying, yeah, there's too much content. Uh, You know, I can't listen to it all. So if we had, and and we want your feedback on this, we really, really do. And like I said, you've probably already gotten and responded to an email on this, but if you haven't, uh, we want your feedback. If we had to do it all over again, um, and this and I have not I've only read a couple of the emails that have come back in because we've been recording the show basically since the moment we sent it. Um, we would want to keep every show, you know, we're going to go back to once a week. Uh, we would like to keep every show available to everyone and and then have the premium offering there for the main reason that we created it, which is for those of you that want to directly support the show. And, you know, we, we've, we've been tossing around the idea of this, you know, gear and beer fund. Right. Um, and we and we definitely appreciate that. And and we will create an easy path. And that's the other thing. You know, a lot of you have experienced technical logistical problems with the premium offering. And really all of those, many of those, not all, many of those stem to the fact that Apple doesn't really make it easy to offer podcasts behind a paywall unless you want to live outside of the iTunes ecosystem, which this premium thing pretty much has and we've shoehorned it in here and there but it's just gotten to be a real headache to be honest so it's like wait we don't like the concept this way anyway so we're going to fix it uh, at least I, I would like to but I, you know you guys are our most loyal and i say you guys in the in the very new england northeastern way it's not a uh, a gender specific remark it's like y'all in texas but I, you 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 are you are all our you Are our most loyal listeners, so we really, really value what you have to say here, and, and let us know. Email us to our normal, you know, premium at maciekab address. But um, you know, so we're we're thinking about this, and and but we do want to do something for those people that those of you that that continue to contribute. So we're talking about you know something where you know if you contribute more than a a, a certain amount, you know, each year or or something like that, you know, we we'll, we'll have. Maybe a a special t-shirt or mug or stickers or something, you know, for those of you and and one listener actually earlier today suggested, you know, the order of the motherboard club or something like that. But anyway, um, we want your opinion. So, number one, and these are the questions we asked in the email, but but again, I want to make sure everybody hears them. Number one, as we move back to one show per week, would you do you care if the content is behind a paywall or not. You're still going to get everything as you do now. The question is, do you care if you're, if you're a supporter, do you care to exclude people who aren't supporters yet? Right. Or, or doesn't it matter to you? Uh, And then number two, uh, if we, you know, if we do kind of migrate premium into this gear and beer fund program, a, would you, would you plan to continue to support us with, with, uh, with, you know, contributions and B uh, or, or would you be upset? And would you want a refund of, of, you know, uh, the, what, whatever's remaining on your premium subscription? Let us know. We really, you know, we really want to know what your thoughts are on this. I think many of you, I think more than half of you, I think have already emailed us back. So perhaps I'm rambling on too long here anyway, but, uh, but you know, we really do appreciate the support and it's been, it's awesome. And we're going to keep doing it. So we just want to make sure we serve you our most loyal listeners as well as we can. So that's, that's what I got to say on that, John.
1: Did I get it? Awesome. Okay. I think so. And you know what made me happy also? So this new company, again, I, I, I try to separate my lives here, so I'm not going to say who they are, but if if you, if you know where I am on the internet, you can probably find out, but it was funny because actually this came up. Hmm. In, uh, you know, they're like, uh, and, and in a lot of interviews, so, so maybe a little interview trivia here, and then we'll, then we'll move on. But, uh, you know, I've run into this, but um, here's a tip for folks looking for a job. If you have nothing listed, that's typically viewed bad, and I actually structured my resume in a way that I didn't have TMO listed as uh, the first thing. I had my last gig listed, and, you know, someone advised me, you know, that's not a good way to start things off. <laughs> you know, put what you're doing now, because as long as you're doing something, Right. And the question came up time and time again. People are like, well, what are you doing? Sitting around all day doing nothing? I'm like, oh, no, of course not. I mean, between product reviews and columns and going to press events and, of course, the podcast. And, and you know, my new, uh, actually, the uh, VP level person I talked to um, at my new gig, you know, kind of asked me that. He's like, well, you know, you're, you're looking for something new here. I mean, you know, you haven't really, you know, you haven't gotten anything yet. I'm like, well, I don't want to relocate and I'm really looking for the right thing. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? And, and I told him and he's like, really? Oh, you know, I just got an iPhone and this and that. And the, the uh. guy all of a sudden lit up and he's like, oh, I got I to listen to your podcast. That's and awesome. then the people ask me also and they're like, you know, well, is is, uh, you know, this going to conflict with your responsibilities there? And I'm like, well, other than, and, you know, I, I I was pretty serious. I'm like, you know, other than. Being able to go to Macworld, of course, at my old gig, I took a vacation time. I'm like, you know, Macworld is something which I, you know, somewhat seriously say is kind of non-negotiable. I mean, it's something I love going to every year. I mean, there's so many friends and and listeners and just people. And, and to me, I couldn't imagine not going. I mean, ever since I started going, Dave, right? I can't imagine not going. And so, yeah, so I'll take a week of vacation, which, of course, they offer at least. So, <laughs> and I said, other than that, you know, it, uh, you know like we're doing now, I'll, I'll restructure you know, my days and stuff. So of course, you know, we're not going to be doing it at 3 p.m. because I think they frown upon that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Unless they want to see, hey, you know, yeah, hey. <laughs> maybe they want to see, uh, I, you know, how to make the sausage. I uh, have to be honest
0: from the, the the evenings occasionally, you know, because I, I wind up doing band practices and gigs and and, um, you know, stuff with the kids and all that stuff. So evenings are precious time to me. But what I have yeah. learned over the last three years of doing uh, the the shows in the day is that the days are also precious time to me. And, and like a day like today where, uh you know, we podcast. So, so, you know, it's a two hour window to podcast here. And then it's also, you know, probably an hour hour and a half earlier in the day to prep the show and go through all the questions and, and come up with the agenda and all of that stuff. It really chews up a, a good chunk of my day. And, I have to be honest, I've, I've enjoyed going back to evenings, you know, the last two times that we've done it. It's, it's been very freeing and it, it allows me to get a whole lot more done during the day. Um, so, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the evenings. I, I think we'll be fine. I think, I think we're going to go back to Sundays as a rule, maybe. I mean, we'd sort of found that that, I don't know, it'll be Sundays or Mondays. We'll figure it out. All right. So send us your thoughts. Premium at MacGeekab.com. Did you say premium? At macgeekab.com, Dave. I did. And perhaps for one of the, you know, one of the last, last times, if we, if we make this change, um, it would be premium at macgeekab.com.
1: Just want to make sure I heard you. I know. Name. I know. Premium at macgeekab.com. <laughs> okay. So. Who's, who's next? I, and again, I, thank you so much. I, I find it, uh, I don't, uh, you say more, more often than I do, Dave, but it is so humbling to have a core, core group of people. Wow, almost messed that up. But a core group of people that really enjoy what we do, and we enjoy—you uh, know—it's a two-way street here. I mean, right. if it wasn't for people listening, Dave and I would be talking to each other, and, and uh, yeah, that that wouldn't be too much fun. Well, it would be fun. It just would be—you know—we wouldn't necessarily <laughs> schedule fun. it like this. It'd be different. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. That's well, what you and I did anyway. Yeah. you know, that's where this all came from. That's right. When you and I were talking about the podcast, I think it was literally one of us saying to the other because we talked regularly mm-hmm. on the phone. It was like, hey, did you hear about this podcasting thing? Yeah. You know, we talk about the Mac anyways. Why don't we, yeah. you know, just record it and see what people think? And well, that, that was, was literally, it. that was truthfully how this started. We're like, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Right. Right. <laughs> People yeah. won't listen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or you know, or yeah. we'll get bored. And uh, fortunately we, we came across the uh, very quickly, the right formula. Yep. So. Yep. No, so that's I got to thank everyone as, as, as well. Yeah. Cool. All right. Roger
0: writes, I have two questions. One is more or less for informational purposes. The other for practical need. Number one, on the practical side, my employer uses the exchange protocol or an exchange server for email and calendaring rather than my wife and I manually going over my schedule so she can have a copy of my schedule. We used to just set her iPhone up to add that calendar only portion of my account, which then showed up on her iPhone calendar. Recently, my company decided to upgrade security to require iPhone and iPad users to use a more secure password combination of at least eight characters, numbers and symbols. I hate it, but I have to do it. She'd prefer not to. Is there any way to easily export my work exchange calendar into a Google calendar, which she could then import into her iPhone? Or perhaps you have a better solution. All right, let's go through this one and then we'll do his second question. Well, second. Um, so, I, my thought on this, John, is you know, I start thinking, okay, how can I publish to Google? I know BusyCal publishes to Google. I also know that BusyCal does not support exchange, so you can't subscribe to exchange. So, you know, okay, foiled there. But um you can subscribe to exchange calendars in iCal. And anything that uh, is subscribed that way, BusyCal would then see as a read-only calendar. And I'm not sure how this is going to work cuz I don't have an exchange calendar to subscribe to, but you might be able to then take BusyCal and publish it out front to to Google Calendar from there, so you need to have, leave a Mac running that had both iCal and BusyCal simultaneously running on it as this kind of intermediary, if you will. But but I think that could work. It's convoluted, but you know you're you're look. That's what we do, right? We we find the path. And to me, that's that's the only path I can think
1: of. Um, but John, maybe you've got a better path. Maybe. I don't know if I have a better path, but I actually have a question now that I'm reading over this, and now that I'm okay. I I, I guess what concerns me is not so much the technology here, but what you know. I'm going to be jumping back into the whole corporate IT thing mm-hmm. here, and and I I guess I'm a bit concerned that this is happening at all. I uh, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I uh, just do. You see what I'm trying to say here? No. I, mean, I really don't. I'm not being, uh, not All being right. cheeky. Granting yeah. access to your employer's computer system on someone who's not an employee. I'm, I'm trying to wrestle with that aspect of this. Oh, well, yeah, he's got to clear that with his right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But, you know, but be, we're we're not worried about the legalities of this. We're talking about a technical solution. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's not up to us to judge. It's up to us to solve. Right. He can. He can judge. That's his. That's his thing. We're not. We're not here to be the, the thought
1: police. I mean, in which case, it's. Uh, I mean, even iCal. You can take individual calendars that you subscribe to, which could be exchange calendars. Okay. Right? Or pretty much any calendar, and you can take them and export them and then reimport them in another form. Though, though that's kind of caveman. So. Well, that's what I was thinking. You know, BusyCal can can publish to. Mm. Cool. You get a lot of noise in your
0: background there. Uh, it went away. Good. Uh, BusyCal can publish. To Google calendar. Right. So that's what I was thinking is, is, you know, we, we got this, the, the two in mean, the two do, do meet, you know, so perhaps that's the way to do it. Um, question number two, ready to move on. Yes. Okay. He says the second question has bugged me since I took my MacBook to my local Apple store for hard drive problems several months ago. The Apple genius told me and showed me that you cannot run Apple's disk utility on an on an encrypted drive to repair disk permissions. However, I noticed that when I run SuperDuper, I see that the program says it's repairing disk permissions before it begins its backup. Since I get no error message from SuperDuper, am I correct in assuming that disk permissions are in fact being repaired and that SuperDuper has cracked the code of doing something to an encrypted disk that Apple's own disk utility cannot do? I seem to be getting a full backup, so it's not causing me any problems, but, is, but it's the kind of thing that us nerds want to know. Well, darn right it is. As soon as I read his question this morning, show prep took me a little longer because I ran straight to the house, grabbed my MacBook Air, which I run with an encrypted drive using, you know, FileVault 2, and I launched Disk Utility and I ran it and I repaired permissions. And that's how it went. There was no problem. There was no fanfare. And sure enough, at the bottom, I looked and, you know, it said Mac OS 10 extended Mac OS 10, whatever format. And then it said extended comma encrypted. So I see I don't see why the genius would have told you this. Now, if the disk isn't mounted, then it's not unencrypted or it's not, you know, it's not unlocked. So then you can't repair permissions. But, uh, you know, permissions repair is just it. Disk utility at that point doesn't know or it knows it doesn't care what the, you know, what the how the it doesn't care what it what kind of drive it is. It could be a USB drive. It could be anything. It doesn't matter. It's just looking at the files and setting Unix permissions. This is not, you know, a big deal. So. uh, So, yeah, yeah, you can totally repair permissions with disk utility on a on an encrypted drive. It's no problem at all. I did it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think, yeah, as as we mentioned, but we'll, uh, you know, there's, so disutility to system level permissions, and of course, I think running the, uh, well, it depends, but we'll link to an article that does this. There's also the uh, the user level permissions, you know, which you, yeah, I I never had a problem with this. And actually, you know, though, I want to bounce this off you because I think I did when I first Enabled File Vault, which I think is what we're talking about here. Yeah. So don't necessarily file not 2. Well, I'm going to assume File Vault 2 is what we're talking about here. Yeah. Though there are other utilities that, that can encrypt drives. But I noticed, and I sent it to you, and you got back to me, I think, with uh, some sort of reply that, that kind of made sense. But right. what I noticed is if you enable encryption, the uh, disk utility, or at least when you do the basic check, seems to have an awful lot more information. So you're talking
0: about a verify disk as opposed to a repair permissions, right? And I did
1: this, so it said verify and repairing. It said checking prerequisites, checking the partition, checking for, And I'm like, I don't remember all this stuff coming out of this utility recently. All of a sudden, it's giving all these new checkpoints. It it talked about, um, you know, volume has double redundancy, scanning metadata. I mean, it it just had way more information. Either disk utility changed. Um, or something else
0: changed. No, this is definitely a, a result of a file vault drive. And, um, and, and so, yeah, um, disk utility or, or the Mac, when it encrypts the drive, it, um it actually creates a second layer of a partition there. And it, and it puts the encrypted drive inside a container on that, partition. Again, once it's all booted up, most of your operating system has no idea that this is going on. Everything just runs normally and and it's all handled at a very, very low level. But uh but yeah you the if you take a look at the partition map of the drive and you have to do it with like disk util from the from the command line. Disk Utility is not going to show you this because it's meant to, you know, make it all pretty and and easy to tell. But uh but yeah if you if you look at the command line I think it's like disk Um, what is it? Uh, I got to look at the thing. Is it list file systems? No, no, no. I think it's just disc util list. So if you just go disc util space list on a drive that has a, uh, 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 an encrypted partition on it, it, it'll be a radically different thing than you have on a, on a normal drive. And, and, and it, and it, and the good thing is that disc utility does know about this. And when you do a check on a drive, it makes sure that all of that stuff is in the right spots and working properly because if any of it gets screwed up, you're toast. So good
1: stuff. All right. And I think it has to do with something because it mentions it in the list here, something called core storage.
0: Core. That's what it that's what it is. Yeah. Core storage is the whole framework that has the containers and all of this other stuff. And you can actually manage all of that, including encrypting disks and managing keys and all of that from the command line, which is really helpful in the enterprise when you need to do this, you know, en masse on on hundreds of machines at a time. So you can actually have machines that are all encrypted with the same key. If, if you want to do it that way, you know, so, which is good. Moving on. Always. All right. I'm going to get back to my, my notes here. Yeah, no, we're going to go to, uh, Chris. You want to read Chris's question, John? Oh,
1: you caught me. All right. I'll read it. I got All right. No, where is it? Here we go. Ah, here is Chris. Okay. Uh, all right. Hey, guys. Uh, righty, Second paragraph. Uh, okay. On my issue. I purchased the latest and now appears the last 17-inch MacBook Pro with 8 gigs of RAM in February with two 27-inch Thunderbolt displays. My thoughts were to daisy chain the Thunderbolt display to the 17-inch MacBook Pro. After booting up each morning, it runs quietly for a short time, one to two hours, and then the fans amp up. Which I I think it means they, yeah, he can hear them. <laughs> Where it becomes annoying listening to the fan after a couple of weeks and sp- whoa, uh, after a couple of weeks and speaking with an Apple staff and geniuses, they suggested increasing the RAM. Oh, that sounds bogus right there. I didn't, <laughs> I, didn't I agree, that would not, <laughs> I, I didn't think that would solve the problem, but I signed up on that idea. On the chance that the idea w- wouldn't solve the problem, I purchased the Mac Mini thinking I connect only one 27 inch display to each 17 inch MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini. Okay. Uh, purchased 16-gig RAM, installed it, and then moved the 8-gig from the MacBook Pro to the MacBook Mini. Oh, cool. Oh, it took the same chips. Neat. Now, each is running separately with Thunderbolt. Increasing the RAM to 16 gigs on the MacBook Pro did not solve the problem. No, I didn't think so. Uh, in fact, running only one Thunderbolt display, I still have excessive fan noise. Now, page two. Another meeting with the Genius did not uh, yield any positive results. Here's where you come in. Oh, me? you. For you. Uh, the, both of us i think <laughs> that's right i don't believe it i think there's an issue with the macbook to test that i unhooked the display and daisy chain both to the mac mini and basically says he hasn't heard the, the same thing or at least hasn't heard the fan i, I assume is what he's saying and running both via vmware fusion and mac os with multiple safari and chrome windows open as well as other programs um So I guess when we get down to it, the problem is it it sounds like the expectation here is that hooking two Thunderbolt displays up to the MacBook Pro 17 inch shouldn't make the fans run, but it does. I I think that that sums us up, right? Yeah. It's weird. Okay. Yeah. Now what, what, and and he sent a couple of snapshots. It's kind of tough to see here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The snapshots were useless, but, um, (laughs) but
0: we get, we get what's going on. The fans are running fast enough that faster, faster enough than normal. That the they're audible all the time after a couple of hours, which is which is odd. Now, you know, I was my thought on this, John, was maybe the GPU is overheating because it's running all this extra screen real estate. It's a stretch, I know, but I I can't think think of.
1: So, well, I can't. No, that's a good one. No, it's running two displays. Right. Thunderbolt is a three uh, three displays. Three, the internal display, the seventeen inch ah, the MacBook right, Pro. Right, 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 no. right. Okay. Now,
0: I did that for a long time, and mine never. I mean, I did, uh, yeah, sometimes I did three displays, but but mostly two, and it never. I mean, my GPU never heated up. Totally different architecture of machine and all of that, but it just you know. But the Thunderbolt bus is another thing. So maybe that's heating up. Maybe there is something about the motherboard that heats up when you've got lots of traffic running across that display bus. Seems weird.
1: I think there's. I think there might be something wrong with the machine. Uh, could be. I like that too, because I always like getting a new machine. But let let me uh let me bring up a few things. So so no. number one, as you pointed out, it could be the GPU. Now it looks like he's running iStep menus. So you could certainly look and see if there's a correlation between the GPU temperature, which they will display, and the fan speed, which they also display. You know, just look at the two and and yeah yeah. Uh, That's one way to do it. Uh, The other is just a general strategy for portable Macs. A lot of them will dissipate heat in areas, like, for example, my MacBook Pro, uh, uh, 15-inch, early 2008. Part of it, it dissipates heat on the bar that is above the keyboard near the hinge for the screen. Because that's normally something you won't touch, but if you're an idiot like me and you do touch it, uh, if your machine's been running for a while, you may actually uh, 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 pull your hand away because it gets real hot because that's where a little heat pipe coming off the processor is running. Right. And, and you know, I got to say, very good design. They're like, you know, what idiot's going to touch this thing? Well, John, but other than John Braun, um, <laughs> not many other people. Uh, but, but but in general, the the case may be trying to dissipate heat and depending on where you put your machine. So, so so what I'm suggesting is you may want to think about where you're putting your machine. Are you putting it on a blanket or on a, a placemat or on something that could be an insulator and prevent the machine from dissipating the heat? If it can't dissipate the heat through the case, then it may want to run up the fans. So just, just a suggestion, you know, think about uh, your mounting strategy, maybe get a, a stand for it or something and that may get rid of the problem. Um, other than that, there is a swell utility, or I'm going to mention something called the SMC, System Management Controller. Is that what it's called? Is yeah. that what it means? Okay. Yeah. So two things. So one, the SMC does control the fans, among other things. You may want to reset the SMC just to see if this problem goes away. So seeing as how it happens after a couple hours, I don't know if it will, but you
0: never never know, though. And there is a knowledge base article that we'll link to that teaches you how to
1: reset the SSD on every Mac. So now the other thing that I'm going to suggest, and I think I use this at one point and other and I I have certainly had reports from people that have used this utility and it can help you manage, I would say, uh, fan behavior. Yeah. And it's called SMC, huh, isn't that weird? Fan control. And uh, you can get it from EIDAC.DE, which I guess is Deutschland or Germany. So basically it's a little uh, little thing that goes up in your menu bar, sports lion, and uh, so it'll show you, at the very least, it'll show you how fast your fans are spinning. In most machines that I've seen, the fans typically spin at about 2,000 RPMs, which you usually can't hear. But you can crank it up, uh, but once they get up to you know three, four, five, six thousand, I think is the fastest. Then you'll hear them. Yeah. Um, SFC Canada Control lets you, and, and what I'm suggesting may sound counterintuitive, but but it actually is is quite brilliant, I think. Or well, not, brilliant, but well, no. You, well, first when well, I mentioned it to you, you were like, tell them, tell them, well, tell them, no. tell them. So so what this does is you can create a custom profile. So rather than letting the machine. Do what it normally does, which is run the fans at 2,000 RPMs when the temperature of uh, on a number of sensors is below a certain point. Maybe you want to up the fan speed just a little bit. Maybe you want to run them at 3,000 instead of 2,000 RPMs. And what I'm suggesting is that if you do that, you may preempt or you may be... Looking into the future, isn't that a cool way to put it? You may be looking into the future and trying to deal with this in that if you run the fans a little faster, they may be able to deal with this temperature increase event in that they will not run any faster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All it's doing is setting the minimum speed of the fan. So if they do need to go faster, you're not
1: limiting the the speed. So it's not going to hurt itself. Uh, you, right. John, careful. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Is that at first, some people were like, no, don't use this utility because you could destroy your machine. Right. It will not let you get into a situation where you can run the fan slower right. than the minimum recommended speed. But so, I will
0: so. point something out because SMC fan control, at least for for Chris, is not necessary. And and the reason is that Chris uh-huh. is running. Chris is running iStat menus. Oh, oh, of and course. iStat menus they offer a similar. They, they do. In fact, they they offer different profiles and you can even I don't think it matters. Well, it might matter for Chris's um, in in iStat menus. You can have a certain set on when you're on battery power and a different set when you're when you're charging. So he could go back to normal when he's off a of battery, presuming that when he's off a of battery, he's also away from the Thunderbolt displays. And then he could have a, a different set. um you know, for, for that. So yeah, iStat menus does a, does a nice job with that. It's good stuff. And you can totally, I totally set them. We forgot they did that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, you know, it's one of those things. It's like anything. If you, if you don't use it, it's easy to forget that it's there.
1: Yeah. The thing I do like about SMC fan control, it, it gives you, if you have room in your menu bar, it'll show you, uh, without having to click anything, because you know that's that's a very troublesome thing to do, <laughs> right? But I think it shows you directly what your fan speed is, so so it may be worth installing just just for 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 grokking. Well, i iStat Menu shows you your fan speeds too.
0: Well, but then you have to click on a on a uh, something in the menu bar. No, can't you if you wanted? Oh.
1: Oh, maybe you can. Okay. I, I don't it, have it set up that way.
0: Yeah. I think you can customize it and put the fans feeds up in the menu bar full time if you want them. Groovy. Yeah. It's right. good stuff. I think you got to play with it.
1: No, That's I fun. think you're actually right. They're very customizable. Yeah. I, I don't list that because, yeah, to me, at least at this point, I can hear when the fans are, And you know, I got one that I have to replace at one point because you know me, I love running machinery until it dies. And I have one of my fans where when it spins up, I think a bearing is going because I can hear it and it goes like, I mean, bad. it spins. Well, it spins. Well, well, what makes me believe it's not going to totally explode and destroy my machine is that when I look at the speed, the speed is the same as the, the other one. So at least my machine has two fans right and left. Yeah. Um, it's just the right one makes an audible noise, but, but it doesn't affect its, its rotation. It, it still spins at the speed it should be. Because it. it matches the other one. Got it. But um, but that may be one of my last repairs before I retire this thing. Because uh, you know I got a hankering for Thunderbolt, Dave. We're, we're getting people approaching us saying, "Hey, we got some Thunderbolt things, you guys yeah. at TM we want to look at." And I'm like, I don't have a Thunderbolt machine. <laughs> so I may have to get that new MacBook Pro. Awesome. You need the Retina display too. You know. No, no, I I detest that machine <laughs> because of the price. No 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 because of the soldered ram and the and the cust- uh, no i'm to, to me a pro machine you got to be able to get in there and fiddle with it uh, and it has to have lots of ports oh it's very sexy and very Thunderbolt. it doesn't need more ports yes it does okay i don't want to carry around these these silly adapters no <laughs> i want a usb port thunderbolt and firewire and ethernet on my macbook pro to me that's a pro machine not this this retina display thing that just looks pretty. <laughs> ha! All right, all right. Come on, just, well, come 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 at me with your replies. That's Hunter. right. But no, that's my feeling. It, it's yeah. a nice machine, but to me, it I don't know if it deserves to be called a MacBook Pro. Do you?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's sm- It's a smoking machine. It's like a
1: MacBook Air
0: Plus. It's like a MacBook Air Pro. Is what it really is. Yeah. That's that's what they should have called it. Yeah. I, I I agree with you on that. Okay. Yeah. yeah no. That that's definitely what it. What it uh, what it is. All right. Uh, let's jump to cool stuff found. We got a little bit of time left here. So let's uh, we've got a couple of things that I think are are going to be a good little addition here. We're going to jump to Tony first and Tony uh, writes, I just figured out a new feature. I noticed at one point my brother's phone would only zoom in to maybe double magnification when double tapping on a photo in the photo gallery, while mine would zoom into more like 500 percent. Recently, my phone stopped doing this and it zoomed like his did. I found out I could restore the what I called super zoom function if I enabled the system level zoom in the accessibility settings. This seems to deselect itself from time to time on my machine or on my iPhone. Anyway, for someone with failing eyesight, both the system level three finger tap zoom and the super zoom feature in the galleries are real lifesavers and helpful for quickly reviewing photos for focus and detail. So that's not a four S John. Um, does your four do, uh, does your four do that? Oh, I forgot to check. All right. Well, it's downstairs charging. Oh, all right. Well, we'll, uh, then if you have a four, check it out. I, you know, I was going to walk through this, but this is kind of disturbing. I, uh, went to open the settings app on my four S, which is sitting here. And all I get is the blank settings, like a blank screen with no writing on it. Oh, Hey, there it is. Finally. Wow. That was not good. So uh, he says it's in accessibility, which I believe is in general. So settings, general accessibility. And then we have, uh, what did he say this was? Zoom. And uh, he says, turn on zoom. And then you can double tap with three fingers and it zooms it in. And uh, so you can check that out. Thanks, Tony. Good stuff. All right. uh, Let's see, John. Jeremy. Is next on our list, and Jeremy writes: During episode 402, you talked about iCal and being able to enter events contextually. Dave then brought up Fantastical as a menu bar app that helps you do that. I want to let you know uh, about Remind Me Later. That is another menu bar app that does this. I used to use it before I stopped using iCal. When you launch it, you enter your information in a single field. The example they give is buy groceries at 4 p.m. tomorrow, and it did we go through this already? It seems like maybe maybe this is maybe there's more of these that we keep talking about, Uh, but uh, and it enters in into iCal preferences let you change what calendar you add events to by default the default length the alarm type alarm sound if there should be a reminder and how many minutes before the event the alarm goes off. It's in the Mac App Store, but you can also download it from their website, Um, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So if that's been in the show notes twice, well. So be it. Does it sound familiar to you? I know we prepped it for a previous show, John. Sometimes if I don't Mm. cross it off when we're going through these cool stuff, finds, cool stuff's found. Is that like uh, uncles in law or something like that? I don't know. (laughs) Is there such thing as uncles in law? I guess there would be. Why not? I thought it was uncle in laws. Oh, definitely not. No. Like mothers in law, uncles in law, mothers in law is the right way to say that it's not mother in laws. It's mothers in law. But uh, if if it's plural, but but anyway, uh, that's cool. Stuff's found right there. Um, all right. We got time. Let's go to Greg. Greg writes, I was looking for an iTunes duplicate eraser and found an app called Song Sergeant. It actually does much more. It will even find orphan songs, missing songs and, of course, duplicates. It's lightning fast, too. I tried several other popular apps that are similar to this. And this one wins. So song sergeant is from lairware.com and it's uh, it's 20 bucks. So uh, I think they have a, a demo, but, uh, but it's certainly worth checking out. That's um, especially, you know, before you move to iTunes match, something like song sergeant could be a really helpful thing to go through and, and kind of clean up all your tags and make sure that m- as many things as possible get matched. So that's what we got there, John. You got anything more to add before we uh, before we bring in the band on this lovely Tuesday afternoon and before our 4th of July holiday tomorrow?
1: Oh, 4th of July. Awesome.
0: It is 4th of July tomorrow, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Today
1: being July 3rd. Yeah. Going to uh, head down to the beach and uh, watch the, uh, the fireworks. Watch the fireworks. Cool. All okay, right. please, if you're going to play with fireworks, don't blow anything up other than the fireworks <laughs> i mean you can blow those up but please exercise safe fireworks protocol assuming they're legal in your district which uh, uh, or state your country which yeah well who knows here that's mr Braun always making sure we're following the rules
0: uh let's see you can email us and, and please do email us your thoughts on what we're talking about doing here. We really want to hear from you if we haven't already. And for those of you, and like I said, I think it's, it's like more than a third of you have already emailed us. Um, and I have not yet read them uh, because we've been doing the show. But, uh, but I will as soon as we finish. So thank you for that. Uh, but send us an email
1: to premium at macgeekab.com. I'm almost sure you already mentioned that, Dave, that they should write to premium. At MattGeekAb.com That's premium at macgeekab.com You can also email us to uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, You can email us at premium
0: <laughs> You can call us at 206-666-GEEK Which John is 4335 <laughs> Let's see You can find us on Twitter Macgeekab is the show John F. Braun is him Pilot Pete's the other guy Mac Observer is where you get the uh, headlines from TMO all day long, and of course I'm at Dave Hamilton. Anything else there, John, before we uh, before we wind this one out? No, all right, we'd like to thank Michael Johnston for com- converting this and every podcast that we do pretty much into uh, enhanced AAC. so thank you, Michael. and again, thank you to all of you for uh, for your continued support, your your longtime support—it's been—it's uh, awesome. And, and like I said, you know, make no mistake about this. Yes, we are changing back to once a week, and in, in doing so, or are, are are seriously contemplating some some other changes, obviously that we talked about. But by no means is to, should you take this as the show uh, going away or even beginning no. <laughs> down that path. No, no, not. I couldn't at, even imagine that. I know, not at all. So please don't. Please don't think that that's what's going on here. We're just uh, we're iterating on it, and we're making it better for for everyone involved. And that's that's really kind of the goal is the constant tweaking. So thank you for your support and your involvement in this constant, ongoing experiment that John and I call Mac Keycab.
1: Then when we do drop the bomb, it's going to be a big one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, what? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> No, it won't be I'm thinking like car talk All of a sudden they Yeah, no kidding
0: Have fun this weekend Have fun with your fireworks Have fun with your friends And don't get caught We gotcha